Hi, this is Mark Wiltshire. Welcome to a bonus episode of the of the Finnish Football Show. This is a bonus podcast from episode 13 that came out recently. As ever, joined by Mark from FC Swami. Hi, Mark. Hello. Long time. It's been it's been a long time since we since we last spoke. And Rich from Escape to Swami. Hello again. Thanks again to everyone joining us live on YouTube. Um, this is this is. Same same broadcasters as episode thirteen, and so far we haven't lost any listeners. Uh, we haven't gained any in, in all that time between between recording. Um, we had quite a few things to talk about in episode thirteen, so um, we thought we'd carry on carry on here and, and talk about those. These are these are maybe things that are going to start coming becoming apparent in Finnish football in the future so not not so time sensitive as, as what we talked about in episode 13 um, as always we want your input so live viewers there's still that message box on the right hand side of the screen um, or ask uh, ask questions to us you can still use FFS 13 as a hashtag um, podcast listeners use social media to get in touch with us so our Twitter handles are marks at, at FC Suomi Rich is at Escape to Swami, and my handle is at Explore Finland. Rich will carry on straight away. Um, so as ever, no noisy biscuits, no f bombs. There were none in the last episode, so let's see if we can keep that keep that record going. A few while we were planning this, a few few interesting things were were discussed, and as I say, they were looking forward more towards the future. And this Finland identity project was mentioned, which you know. My my role here as the slightly clueless host of this show is well earned, and I hadn't heard of this Finland identity. And I think Mark, you you said you had some some things to bring to that. Yeah, I mean, so it's uh, it's 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 a bit of a tricky one because uh, it's it's, a, it's supposed to be like an all encompassing development project to try and get Finland kind of back on track in terms of the the national team, but it's when you search for it either through the Palolitos websites or their Facebook stuff, it's really hard to find like a single source that's like, this is the big, the Finnish identity project. Um, I, I, I spoke uh, a couple of times uh, recently with, with Hannu Tihinen about kind of all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And they're doing really tons and tons of great work around coaching, coaching education, biomechanics, um, player advice and consultancy, um, and uh, working together with with the the Beerit to help help them develop. And uh, they've signed a uh, a deal recently with a, a company called Fibaco that do elite fitness training, like up to a to a higher standard. So they've got lots and lots of like uh, different activities going on in different parts of the organization. But it seems really difficult to try and. Um, piece them all together to build to build that sort of big picture. Rich, you you were the one that first mentioned this. Is there is there anything that you've you want to add to um, about this? Basically it's one of those things that um obviously it's become fashionable even over here in England it's something that they call it a, a DNA, England's DNA where you know they have the whole school of excellence. It, it was Lillishaw is now St George's Park mm. and they want all the youth teams to play in a certain way, you know, and what you've got is, you know, the supposed figureheads of this latest movement. You've got Mika Altonen along with Yari Littmanen and Mika Littmanen, who 
you know, we'll be looking at ingraining, you know, a sort of culture and the DNA throughout every junior team. So it's, you know, it'll be everything from a style of play to how the players are treated, how they're coached, everything about, you know, the the mentality. Um, and, you know, they're talking about, you know, it's, it's easy to look at when, it, when Germany reboots and, you know, when England say we should copy them, we should copy Spain. Uh, Finland seem to be latching onto Belgium as a similar-sized country, albeit you know with so many different variables. But um, you know, even Alton are saying that you know in ice hockey there is a, a clear pathway in how sort of young players are identified and mentored and brought in. You know, with the ultimate aim of being slotting into that national team as an adult, knowing what exactly they have to do. Um, it's almost like a, a version of, you know, Cruyff's total football where, you know, these players can can slot in and know what they have to do. It's all ingrained into them because that's what they've been doing. Um, how it works, because, you know, for something like this, you need money. You need the will of the Palo Lito to allow it to happen. And, and the way that the Palo Lito is run virtually by the regional associations as opposed to the, the centre. Um, you've got to get all of them on board um, and everyone needs to sign up to it. It's, you know, with, with Germany, as we touched on, there's a good book by Honigstein about um, how after sort of Euro 2000 and the relative failure of only getting the final of 2002 World Cup, they basically tore everything up, ripped it up, started again, and albeit with different aims, but they won the World Cup in 2014. But everything in that organisation is designed to move in the same way. And even little things, you know, someone talked to me, I can't remember who it was now, um, you know, how do you allow this to happen? And it's little things where, you know, you see the junior sides turning up to competitions and games wearing the kit from three years ago because it's been passed down. You know, if you want to make kids feel included you give them the current kit you give them access to the materials that you know whether it's coaching or, or playing in this training in the same environment as the seniors if you've got a 15 16 year old kid who looks up to tim Sparv in midfield or poyan palo or hudetsky in goal let them train in the same facility let them watch the training sessions everything's done so disparately where the national team will go off to Abu Dhabi. The under-14s will go off and play Ilvis senior team in a pre-season friendly. And some people will play in the Hoopy Academy, you know, and play. get them together, get them out in one place. But, you know, with, with money the way things are at the moment, and, you know, we, we touched on, on on the WhatsApp about Alea's illness at the moment. You know, he's the figurehead of the VFA. We don't know when he's going to be back. And, you know, he's... <laughs> seriously ill mm. um, you know no matter all his faults you know he is the figurehead of the organisation and, and the, the organisation needs a leader and at the moment it's not the right time and, and you know when he comes back that may that may get running but so much has changed it, it really needs everyone signed up and everyone moving in the right direction yeah, as, as much as we belied Alaya for his for running for re-election unopposed and and the ease with which he kind of got back in, it does sort of show the relationship between the Pirit and the and the Palolito, which is that that they do need that kind of figurehead to sort of drive and spur spur on development, and it's a bit 
I mean, there's more moving parts than just the period. Like you mentioned that, you know, help let, let the kids train with the, the national team guys and their academies. One one problem that's that's currently facing the Palolito is, is that most of the Finnish players that have made it, like properly made it, did so with very little boost from the Palolito, with very little help from either the the, lo- the local organizations or from the national association. And that, that, not saying that they weren't there at the development stage when they were kids, because they were, but most of them hit academies when they were really young and bounced around Europe for a while before landing on a club, finding their feet, working hard and earning it themselves. And that's one particular problem because while they love to play for the, you know, there's obviously commitment at the national team level, that sort of connection to the association, it's not there. You know I mean, there's not like a, there's not a, um, that sort of thing that definitely helps them. The other side of it is then, is then, as you mentioned, as we mentioned in the previous show, you know, kids at 15, 14, 15 signing up deals to go off to academies, agents, managers, parents, families, they all want the best for the players. And I think there's a lot of short selling in the Finnish game. And I like Hanu himself was on, I think he was on one of the news outlets saying that you know kids are leaving too soon they're not they're not staying in 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 finland winning games developing themselves here and there's a big sort of elitist view that the veikaus league just isn't good enough and his response was you know well he stayed when he was a professional he stayed in the veikaus league until he was like 22 he won two cups and a league and that was exactly what he needed to move on to understand how to, how to win leagues and to, how to, how to compete at a like pro level and then move up the the kind of uh, through the through the leagues until he got to regular champions league appearances um so yeah so i think there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts for the for the and I, and I think funnily like Altonen and Dihinen and, and uh, there's a lot of Lippmanen and advising young players there's loads and loads of really good work but it's just not somehow coming together to create this overall picture of a, of a plan forward maybe that's what this Finland identity will, will start to do yeah I mean we, we talked about Lippmanen you know being involved and you know football's moved on and, and it's something that you know he still watches a lot clearly um but, you know, if Lippmann was coming through now, I mean, he stayed in Finland, albeit, you know, part of his national service and everything and, mm. and the way the game was at the time. But he was 21 going on 22 when he left Finland for Holland. Mm. You know, he was playing, I mean, he played hundreds of games in Finland, senior football coming through at 16, 17, mm. you know, winning, you know, won the Swarman Cup in his last game. But, you know, if he was coming through now, he'd be picked up at 13, 14, in some regional junior tournament somewhere. And, you know, yes, he, he would benefit from being at an Ajax Academy and, and the technical sort of side of that. But, you know, everyone you talk to, they say play football, play senior football. There's a there's a model, modern equivalent, which is Temu Pukki. So if you think about Temu Buki and if and I, I I came to this sort of like I had a look at this there was a there's a documentary about uh, the Hukayat and their qualification program for for uh, 2016 so the Miksu era basically um, and in that there was an interview with Lukas Radetzky as he left Brunby and went to Frankfurt and he was talking about Temu Buki about like what's it going to be like like is demo going to be okay when you leave and he was joking joking and saying i don't know because the guy's never bought like a plate and a spoon and a fork in his life but as it went on what you found out is that when demo Puki left finland for sevilla when he was 16 his mum had to go with him 
You know what I mean? Because he was a young kid. He didn't speak Spanish. He was expected. He was thrown basically into a very large academy with an education system bolted on. But he had no friends, no contacts, no no nothing. And very much to it to your point is that if Litti was if Litti came through now, he'd follow the that same path. But he'd be isolated. So he wouldn't be like a fully developed grown up like man who goes out shopping and makes friends and, you know, breaks through the banter of a dressing room. If you, if you put a kid through that process, it's a really different, different thing and you need a different environment around it. And I think that's the, I mean, that's the, one of the core problems that's facing, facing the um, young Finnish footballers today. And it's funny because I, I mean, again, dropping a name, you know, I met Jesse Orenen for coffee a couple of weeks ago mm. and he's saying how, you know, he wanted to leave Fulham last summer. Yeah. But they exercised the option on his contract to stay for this season to play in the League Cup. And now all he does is play the occasional under-23 game for Fulham. But he wants to play first-team football. He's living in, admittedly, a very nice place in Rains Park. You know, it's very nice. But, but ultimately, you know, his ultimate dream is to play football. He had, you know, he played some first-team football. He's still in Finland squads. He's been over here since he was 16 mm. and he's played what, maybe a dozen senior games for Fulham. He's trying to leave. They won't let him, even though they won't let him play. So he's having to wait until his contract expires. You know, and... Um, hey, you know, hey, he, hey, he, he, so when would he, he'd have signed that contract, what is he now, 22, 23? 23, yeah. yeah, so he'd have signed that contract when he was 18. And I guarantee the day he signed that contract, he didn't give it like he didn't give two thoughts to the extension and the terms and the, all the other stuff on the other side. And that's the job of an, a good agent will say, "Look, kid, you know, if you put yourself down for a four-year contract with an, another year option, this is gonna like this could go. We want it to, we all want it to go this way. We all believe that you'll be you know a Premier League goalkeeper in the next three years. But if it doesn't, you'll be stuck here. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, I really feel for him because he's a top top quality keeper. But it, it, it's once you're in that contract, you, you're mm. stuck. Yeah. <sighs> With goalkeepers, it's it's always it's that little bit more. It's a slightly different situation because even if you're in your own country, there's only one position in one club that you can be <laughs> yeah. you can be put into. So, but you often see it, don't you? That that the goalkeepers play that number two role for quite quite a long time. Okay, he's not necessarily even playing the number two role. But they come through later. They have a uh, generally a, a longer career as a goalkeeper than as a as a central midfielder. But I, I think it this this is something we we talked about many times, and we will continue talking about mm. is is players leaving too early. And I think it's it's around it's around the world. Players leaving clubs too early or getting sucked into these academies that develop technical players that can only play academy football. Yeah, and don't make the breakthrough into into men's. Well, look at Barcelona. Barcelona have probably the most famous club academy anyway in the world, and yet <laughs> they cannot produce a forward. They have to <laughs> buy South American forwards. Yeah. yeah, Lionel Messi came through their system, but he was yeah. an Argentinian player who played on the street. You know, Suarez again, similar. Neymar. Slightly different. He was more futsal, but he, you know, and every time he gets fouled, he looks to the ref. But, you know, these are the players that you can't produce because Finland, and you're seeing in certainly the under-21 and below, the players who've gone off to the academies, I mean, I'll take Glenn Kamara as an example. He's been at Arsenal for a number of years now. Technically, 
on the ball in space, very, very good footballer. Mm. Put him under pressure. I mean, the kid is probably six stone wet through. When he he made his Arsenal debut at Hillsborough against Sheffield Wednesday a couple of years ago, he looked absolutely lost. And all my mates who went to the game said, he needs a plate of spots. He's tiny. And these <laughs> yeah. men, you know, six foot four, clogging centre halves, ruined him. You know, and, and the fact is, you know, because he's so used to playing nice, sanitised football and in an environment where he doesn't have to not necessarily think for himself, but everything's catered for him. Everything's done for him. He gets lifts everywhere. You've got South American clubs who are artificially putting in obstacles to kids to make them learn how to problem solve, where it's make your own way to the ground or your kit's not, you've got to wash your own kit or this, that, and the other, clean your own boots. They've got to put these in because, you know, life as well is, is different, but, you know, you've got to give these kids a, a something, a problem to solve, to, to grow. As you said with Litty, he, you know, he went and did national service while he was playing for Hoyekor. Mm. You know, and, you know, he was a man when he went to Ajax, he was 21, 22. He'd grown up so much more than the the kids now, you know, look at Maximus Tainio, the most brilliant name I've ever heard. <laughs> he signed for Spurs. And yeah, his dad is a huge part of that. And his dad was, you know, on the books of Spurs as a sort of academy coach type. But, um, you know, he's going to go, as soon as he hits 16, he's going to move to London. There's uh, Reitonen, who's at FC Yaz. As soon as he, t- it's his 16th birthday, he moves to Liverpool. Hmm. You know, and they both, well, Reitonen has played in the Salama Cup this year. He's 15. He played a couple of weeks ago against Yarrow. And Maximus Tainio, yeah, he's nowhere near Boyko's team, but he's been playing you know, competitive football. And now all of a sudden, they are going to go into the, the realms of these clubs where even Sutton United, and I'd say they're my local team, they've got 900 boys on, or 900 players on their books. And this is Sutton United, you know, bottom half of the fifth division in England, 900 kids. Mm. And, you know, how many of them are going to make it? But it's, it's, I mean, it's it's the double whammy though, because you know, not only is it is it tough then for that sixteen year old to go out and then basically break through that academy. I mean, Liverpool's academy. How many? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't. It's not like it used to be. It's not. It's not the boot room it used to be where where they would churn out you know four or five players a season. So it, so it puts that sixteen year old in a, in a really competitive environment that has a really low probability for success, but it also takes quality that it was burgeoning in the Vekos Liga. So people complain about the Vekos Liga not being competitive enough. And, and, and it's not because it's being gutted every year because the kids who could come through to make a difference, that could that could have an impact at this level, that could push players to, to run faster, to be quicker, to, 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 to be fitter. They're not, they're not getting pitch time because they're buggering off to academies. We'll, we'll see it in the Champions League this year. Mariham will be in, it'll be the second qualifying round they go into. Hmm. People will look at them and go, how the hell did they win the Finnish league? <laughs> because you're going to look at their team yeah. and half of it's going to be different. Yes. Yeah, admittedly, admittedly, there are other factors, but their goalkeeper, Vitala, he's got Denmark. Yeah. You've got these two, two key players up front, Assis and Orgil have gone. Gone, yeah. Orgil's gone to Austria and Assis went to Thailand. Yeah. Woohoo! Um, yeah. And, um, 
you know, and over the last couple of years, they've lost other players. Now, Manningham is a very different club to even in Finland. It's very much, you know, is an island. It's a very odd situation. But any time, and it happens in most countries, any time a team does well that's not the norm, that team is going to get stripped apart. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you look at how how did Marienham achieve it? How did they win it? They played deep, four four two, hit long balls in the break to to the two brilliant guys up front who who create space and score. And it, they played the same player, and I think three or four of their players played every game. Yeah, they had the same defense for the whole season, and they were yeah. lucky with injuries, but they had a very small squad who played a lot of minutes. We're stretching into like. Fake House League preview tier territory. Yeah, I, can, I, can yeah, talk, yeah. I can talk. Me, I can talk. I can talk all day about about what's going to happen. Let, let me let me redirect us a little bit before we get there, um, because we talked about uh, the Finland Identity Project and and about young young Finnish players uh, transferring overseas. So let's let's maybe pull a couple of those things together and talk about the U, UEFA Under 19s What do they call it? Under Nineteen Championship, which we we mentioned. Probably back in FFS twelve, that that this was going to the finals of this were going to be held in Seinjoki and Vaza next next year in in two thousand eighteen. Um, so I've I thought that maybe this is something that I could bring to the uh, to. There's not really a great deal of information yet about the eighteen competition because um, there's still the two thousand seventeen. Competitions take place, which are going to be in um, in Georgia, um, but maybe just to give people a little bit of a taste of how this how this competition works. Just looking at the road road to the final. This is generic information on the UEFA.com/slash uh, under nineteen. So if, if anyone wants to wants to look it up, you can find find some stuff on there. And what what it says if I click on the the link that says standings, it's got a bit of information. Road to the final. Uh, I'll just read this out. The UEFA European Under-19 Championship consists of three distinct stages. The qualifying round, the elite round, and the final tournament. Qualifying round. The qualifying round, played in autumn, is made up of 13 groups of four teams playing in one venue mini-tournaments. The top two from each progress alongside the third-place team with the best record against the top pair in their group. Elite round. In the elite round... Played in the spring, qualifiers join the top seed, given a bye, in seven mini-tournament groups of four. The group winners then join the hosts in the final. Final tournament. The seven qualifiers plus the hosts are split into two groups of four who play each other once, with the top two progressing to the semi-finals, and the winners of those ties contest the final. And then there's a, a link for uh, the official criteria for separating teams and, and whatever. So there's, there's obviously the under the, under the 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 2017 competition, which has had the qualifying stage at the end of last year, and the elite games are going to take place uh, later in March, actually. Um, so they t- they take place in the space of one week. So there's three games in the space of one week in this elite round that then to the, the finals, which this year is in Georgia. And as I was looking through here, um, Finland are in this elite round. They're in group one. They're playing their games in uh, the Netherlands, in a group with Greece, the Netherlands, and Ukraine. So that, that doesn't look like an easy, easy group. But I think this is probably worth us following this year's competition throughout the Finnish football show and then 
picking it up again in the autumn when the when it's the, the sort of the road the road to Bokhima. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think the, the Ukraine have gone through something similar to us recently in in that they've they've tried to revamp their production, like their player production system. Greece, I don't know that much about, but at least the national on the national team level, they're in a bad way, and economically as a country, they don't have a lot to to spend. So I'd imagine, I guess as always, if, if we can get something out of the Netherlands in that group, we should be in a relatively decent position to get to progress. Yeah, and just to just to give people some some dates um it's netherlands versus finland on the 23rd of march then we have greece versus finland on the 25th of march and finland versus ukraine on the 28th of march so you know probably by the time we get together for team we might be able to have a bit of an update on here and see how the young Bukuyat have uh, got on and whether they're going to be going to uh, to georgia in the summer it's funny as well, The since they announced, it was almost two years ago now, that Finland would host the tournament, um, Palolito have identified the age group that will be participating as hosts in that tournament and have been, as much as they can, sort of preparing them for, you know, knowing which players should be involved because it will be the ones born in 1999, which makes me feel horribly <laughs> But But... Um, you know, you've got players who are, you know, people we've talked about on this podcast. You know, we've got, um, you know, Abukar Mohamed, you know, mm. just signed at Lazio, Sergei Romenko. Mm. Um, you know, players who are, again, but going back to the same problem, on the books at Everton, West Brom, Stoke, Hamburg. You know, it's, I mean, it's difficult. You know, you're not expecting players of that age to get through to senior football, but... At least they these this group of players has been identified, has been you know, treated with right. You will be the core of that squad unless anyone else happens to emerge. Um, and at least they're doing that preparation. So when it comes to the the pre-tournament tournament, the dress rehearsal this summer um, in Sanyoki, those players will be involved and will get a little taste of where they'll be playing. What can you tell us about that competition, Rick? Um, it's, it's only going to be a, a four-team sort of, and even then it's going to be, I think, from what I understand, it's Germany, Portugal and Holland who will be sending teams over. Um, and it's a bit of a dress rehearsal for, you know, the organising committee at Sanyoki and, and everything just to get some some logistics going because, you know, it's, it's a new stadium, first of all. And also... You know, the tournament next year, it's a UEFA tournament. They have expectations. It's not just a, a turn up and everything. And and it's a little bit of, yeah, it's a friendly tournament. There's nothing at all riding on it from a you know, player point of view. But they'll be playing their peers. And from Finland's point of view, they'll be playing teams that might be qualified for that tournament. They'll be playing teams that have, you know, if you look at the teams they're talking about, Germany, Holland and Portugal, who are, you know, we look at and say at senior level, generally, maybe not Holland at the moment, but you've got Portugal, European champions, men, Germany, men's world champions, and Holland who seem to float between good and awful. But, you know, look at the players they produce. But P- Portugal's youth system, though, is lethal. You know, they, they, they demolished, was it England last in last year's under-21s? And I think they, they, they did something stupid, like they won every age category. They've won every age category in the last four years yeah. or something like that. So their yeah. their youth development is, is insane. And they've got an 18-year-old playing for Bayern Munich at the moment and he's playing regularly. 
you know, and he played in the Euros. <laughs> you know, he won the European Championships. You know, he might be nineteen now, but you know, this is what they're up against, and this mm. is what you know the players can only learn from. And imagine if they turn around and say, in eighteen months' time, you know, they've got players who are playing, hopefully, you know, getting the odd bit of exposure. But at those clubs, you know, and you look, it's not not too bad at all. And and if they get that mindset, which is difficult to acquire. But if you get into the mindset of we will be competing in an elite tournament where, you know, especially it's different from, say, under 16, under 17 football, where so much can change. These kids will be 19 years old. You know, there will be not a lot's going to change. They will be on their pathway. And, you know, the scouts of Europe will be watching that tournament, mm. whether it's a good or bad thing, you know, but they will be there and watching these players play. There could be some good quality football here this summer than even just in this warm-up competition. Do you, do you know, Rich, are some of those games being played uh, in Valsa? Because obviously the, the finals next year will be in both stadiums. Yeah. So I'm assuming they'll need some sort of preparation as well. As far as I'm aware, it's it's only in Saniocchi. I don't know if, if they're doing either hosting certain things in Valsa or, or how they're going to operate that. But the, I mean, this is this has come from Asiko that they'll be hosting mm-hmm. this tournament or Okay. Let's get together. Oh, something else for me to keep my eyes open for this summer. Then, yeah, good stuff. Okay, I, I I reckon that we've probably come to the end of our bonus pod. There's no news broken in the last thirty seconds that you want to tell us about, Mark. <laughs> No. No, okay, good stuff. Well, then, let me just remind everyone about our sites. There's fcswami.com with regular reports on hookyup players from around the world. There's escape to swami. Dot com and Rich has got a couple of uh, in- interviews in the in the pipeline, so hopefully they'll start to, to come along soon. And then explorefinlandpodcast.com with the recent Finnish football shorts episodes, uh, interviews with, with various people at, at ASICOR, which you'll find on there. Remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel where we broadcast this show. Search for my name, Mark Wiltshire or search for Finnish Football Show, you'll find us there. And the next podcast, I guess, will probably record sometime towards the end of March when uh, after this uh, under-19s under qualifying games have taken place. Give us something topical to talk about then as well. Sounds good. Sounds good, yeah. Mark, Rich, thanks a lot for joining me again, and uh, we'll, we'll meet again soon. Cheers.